Welcome to the Shanna Plan. This is episode 61. I am your host, Akash Anvarathan. I am joined by our producer today, Rob Guerrera, aka Stats on Fire. Rob, how are you doing? I'm good, Akash. How are you? Doing fantastic. Better than the 49ers who have now dropped <laughs> three straight games. Um, after the first two games when they were 2-0, and Kyle, Rob, and I, and, you know, when we recorded the pod, we were looking forward to the next three weeks. We thought it would tell us a lot about this 49ers team. They had the Packers, the Seahawks, um, and then the Cardinals. Three, you know, potential playoff teams, two games at home. Um, and we just, we knew that this was a massive stretch of the season and that they needed to, you know, at least come out above 500 going into the bye this week so that the they would just have a better outlook for the season and, and all that kind of stuff. And they lost all three all three games in different ways. Um, and I think it's shown us more about the team. You know, we've learned more about the 49ers over the last three weeks, I think, than we did over the first two weeks. Just what have your impressions been over the last few weeks with this team? I think that they are not the team that I thought they were to start the year. I thought they were a lot closer to the 2019 team than they are. Uh, I've now decided that on any show that I'm on or host, I am not going to mention 2019 anymore. That is two years ago. It is gone. And the 49ers need to move on. They need to move forward instead of trying to go in circles and get back to 2019. Like just make the 2021 team as good as they can be. Agreed. I think unfair expectations were placed on this team. And a lot of people thought Super Bowl contender, the theme of the offseason seemed to be how will this team win a Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback? And there was a ton of pushback there. And a lot of us, I think, thought this would be a playoff team, that they had a good enough team, a good enough coaching staff. If their quarterback situation could work itself out, they should be in the playoffs, especially with the extra wild card spot, even though they're in the NFC West. Yet through five weeks, they're at two and three. And, you know, the advanced stats, whether you look at EPA or DVOA and all those type things, they don't necessarily match their record or just their like scoring stats necessarily. Um, I think the team has played better than they're getting credit for, but situationally they've been brutal. Um, they haven't been able to force turnovers. They've been turning the ball over at a high rate. Their special teams hasn't been playing particularly well and they have penalties at the worst possible time. It's just, it just has, it's just kind of an undisciplined team so far that seems to make critical mistakes at critical junctures that have been costing them. And, you know, over the past few weeks against the Packers, they had a slow start, then they couldn't rally. And then obviously they had the lead, but then they blew it at the end there. And, you know, their margins are just so thin each week. And then against Seattle, the defense played really well in the first half, but the offense couldn't put up any points. And then last week, you're asking a 21-year-old rookie, fourth youngest ever starting quarterback in the NFL, to win on the road against an undefeated team, against a red-hot quarterback, against a defense that's playing better than we expected. And there were stretches where he looked good, but again, the offense just was not good enough. Um, and that's kind of been sort of the story. Um, they just been inconsistent. They can put together drives here and there, but they just can't do it for four quarters. And in today's NFL, it's just impossible to succeed when your offense isn't scoring, you know, enough points. And that's just been the case the past few weeks and hence they're two and three. And that is where this team sits heading into the bye. I didn't think they'd be two and three. I thought they'd be three and two, four and one, at least before the season started. What just what did you think 
for these five weeks, what was your record prediction? Record prediction, and did you think they would be under five hundred at this point? There's no way I thought they'd be under five hundred. I I had a you know I pegged them to win the first two games of the season easily. I thought they were going to destroy the Green Bay Packers and run all over them. I had them starting the season three and zero and probably going into the bye with one loss. You know, you figure Seattle, Arizona, one of those two, they would probably lose. I didn't think they'd, they'd be undefeated going into the bye. So I thought they'd be sitting pretty with one loss, looking pretty damn good, to be honest with you. And it's been anything but that. Um, and I think the other biggest thing is Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I, I know we adore him on this podcast. We give him a ton of credit, and he deserves it. Um, but there's been a couple things that I've noticed that have just kind of bothered me. And both, A, he's obviously the offensive play caller of this team, and he's the head coach. And let's be real, he, he runs the personnel department too, right? Despite what his official job title is and description is. But his some of it just feels like he doesn't have a feel um, for the team this season. Even in past years when their roster hasn't been good or their quarterback's been hurt, it seemed like the team was always like in sync. They always had like an identity. They always had this like plan. And it always felt like he was pushing the right buttons, but he just didn't have the talent on the field to be able to execute everything. And this year, just it just feels weird with whatever's going on with Brandon Ayuk, which we'll get to later in the show, how he handled the quarterback situation in the offseason, saying Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy, and now it's it's still kind of that, but they're trying to bring Trey Lance along. Um, it's like they're trying to accomplish too much to the season, and they've just kind of lost their identity in the process. Um, his fourth down decision making has been questionable. Just, just weird game management stuff. Weird like roster personnel management stuff. Um, it, it seems like he's just been kind of like out of it for the first you know few weeks, and he's just been out coached in some of these games. Uh, Vance Joseph, clicks, Cliff Kingsbury did a fantastic job. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, it was uh, the Packers coach. I just thought each week the teams come out just flat. And we haven't seen that in years past, even when the team hasn't been particularly good. And so that's been a little concerning as well. And I'm not I'm not sure what it is. And maybe he's just having a bad few weeks here and hopefully they can get it fixed after the bye. But I think that probably seems to be a bigger area of concern for me than just kind of what the record is. Shanahan, the play caller. I was a little worried about him, but after last week, I actually thought my faith in Kyle was kind of restored, to be honest with you. I loved that he went for all those fourth downs last week. Loved it. I've been screaming for him to go for it on fourth and short since he's been hired. And last week, he did every time. And I know they didn't have success on most of those, but that still doesn't mean they're the wrong call. So I really liked that. But I agree with you. Where the questions are with Kyle Shanahan is the off-the-field stuff to me. The, the, the Brandon Ayuk stuff, which I know you said we'll get to, is mystifying to me. The quarterback thing, the, the frustrating thing about that from my perspective is, and I apologize for the construction going on in the background, the frustrating thing about that for me is it was entirely avoidable. Everybody could see that it was weird having the old girlfriend in the house when you're trying to move in with the new girlfriend. Everyone could see that. We, this is not an uncommon thing in NFL history. Yet the 49ers thought that they could do it, and I never understood why. And now they're back in this situation again where we've got the bye week, and we don't know, is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it Trey Lance? Like, they shouldn't have to be dealing with this. It should be from the second you decide to take Trey Lance, it should have been Trey Lance's show. And that's where I think the 49ers got into a ton of trouble. 
Agreed. Hopefully Rob's construction workers are doing a better job of building a foundation than the 49ers front office Nicely did four done. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had like 20 seconds to think of a segue there, but um, I, th- I think you're right. And we talked about it all off season. I thought we had the right approach where it was, you got to have Trey Lance and you got to have a true bridge quarterback to just set clear roles on who's, you know, what in this room. And that's been really unclear this season. And I think it's the 49ers trying to accomplish too much, right? They want Jimmy Garoppolo because they want to win now because they haven't, they didn't win last year. Kashi Hand's career record isn't great. They've got this team that they re-signed everyone on one-year deal. So they want to win right now. But they know that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the long-term answer. So they also want Trey Lance. They also want to develop him. But that's extremely difficult in the NFL because of just how practice time works, how reps with the first team works, how much development Trey Lance needs, and how he'd honestly be better off just playing and learning on the fly, on the job, than he would be just by sitting and watching Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's like they're trying to just accomplish too much this season. And then the other caveat is the fact that their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, tends to get hurt more often than not. So if he's hurt, then automatically you're playing Trey Lance. And now Trey Lance is coming in, but he didn't get any of the first-team reps in training camp, and he hasn't really practiced with the first team up until this past week. So he's not really prepared, and now you're installing this new offense. Now the offensive line has to block differently because they have a mobile quarterback instead of a pocket quarterback. And it just creates this like mess, in my opinion. And it really started this past offseason. And I was thinking about this. Would they have just been better off signing like a Tyrod Taylor or a Mitch Trubisky or someone like that, right? Who knows clearly what their role is on this team as a bridge quarterback. And now your focus just shifts to Trey Lance, your fans' expectations change, et cetera. Whereas you go into the season with Super Bowl expectations and now it's now you're two and three. It almost looks worse, right? If you're just gone in and said, we're going all in on Trey this year, and if you're two and three, then at least now you have five games where Trey Lance has played. Maybe he's gotten a little bit better, and maybe the record isn't necessarily you know representative um, of their actual play on the field. But now it feels like they haven't really accomplished anything in the first five weeks. The record's still bad. Their starting quarterback's hurt. They don't really know if they're going to play Trey or Jimmy moving forward. Mm-hmm. And Trey Lance hasn't has only got a week of development or real, you know, real game development. So that that's kind of been where my problem is. But moving on to the quarterback that played this past week, rookie Trey Lance, um, he finished the game uh, 15 of 29, 192 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, one interception, a passer rating of 58. He also had. 16 carries. I think he, he officially had 12 and four of those were sacks uh, for 89 yards with a long of a 15-yard run. What did you think of his performance this past Sunday? How would you grade it A through F? Uh, I would have answered this question differently before today, to be honest with you. I dug into some videos that Kyle Posey posted about Trey Lance on his YouTube page. I dug into the JT O'Sullivan breakdown of Trey Lance on his YouTube page, which, by the way, if you have a chance, you should definitely go and check that out because it was awesome. So my grade is actually, and this is weird, it's lower for Trey Lance now than it would have been after the game. But I'm super encouraged by what I saw. Everything that I saw, and there were mistakes, plenty of them, But everything that I saw can be fixed and was getting fixed in the game the more Trey Lance played. There were mistakes he made earlier in the game that when Kyle Shanahan came back to them later in the game, Trey made the adjustment. Now, the pass wasn't always completed and what play wasn't always successful, but Trey 
adapted and did the right thing. And to me, when I look at that, that's encouraging to me. So everything that I saw that maybe wasn't 100%, you could see the potential. You could see how things are getting better. He just needs the actual experience. You know, it's different when you're in the film room and you say, oh, here comes the five-man pressure. So that means you got to check down to your slot receiver on the slant over the middle. Okay, it's one thing to know that. It's another thing to be in the game, to be under center, to take the snap, to see the unblocked guy coming off the edge, to recognize what is happening, throw the ball to the check down accurately or to the hot read accurately and move on. You only can get used to that by actually seeing it and doing it. So all these people that sit there and say, oh, Trey's not ready, Trey's not ready. He only gets ready when he plays. Trey Lance, the passer, I thought was kind of a roller coaster ride because he'd have some throws where you're like, wow, right? The throw to Debo Samuel, where Debo Samuel went up high, made the catch. The throw to Brandon Ayuk, that's been posted on my Twitter timeline like 100 times. That was a fantastic ball, right? Keyhole throw, anticip- anticipating the receiver uh, on a rope, all everything you'd want in a franchise quarterback. And then there were some throws where, you just want back, right? They were a little high. The first interception, right, on the move with like 10 yards of space in front of him, overthrow, overthrows the receiver, ends up being an interception. And I think me personally, don't I don't have a problem with that right now because 21-year-old rookie hasn't really played much in a game setting in a couple of years, hasn't played against this level of competition, right, coming from the FCS. So there's going to be a learning curve, right? It, it's a development. And I think... From a fan's perspective, the expectations just don't match what Trey Lance is right now, which is all right. I think you've come to accept that he has potential. He has the talent. Now it's on the coaching staff to just mold him. Then in a year or two or whatever, then he could be on like a Josh Allen-esque trajectory. Because Josh Allen was the same thing, right? He came out of Wyoming, super raw prospect. Difference was Bills just played him out of the gate in 2017. And he got the reps. He had a... Shaky first year. A lot of people I remember were crushing the Bills, right? Because there were a lot of like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen comparisons. A lot of people were like, ooh, Josh Allen might have been the wrong pick. But they stuck with him. Eventually, his accuracy improved. I think he went through. He changed around his throwing motion. And even when he was like a 60% passer in 2018, I think they still made the playoffs. So there is a path to making playoffs with these young quarterbacks when the team around you is good. And I think that begins with playing the guy through all the lumps, which are bound to happen with Trey Lance. And despite that, I thought he got better as the game went on, right? And Kyle Shanahan trusted him to make throws down the field in critical situations. There was a third and 11 where I wasn't sure if Kyle would get conservative. Would he run like a screen or a keeper or something like that? Nope. They went to Mohamed Sanu down the field. Mohamed oh, Sanu just had to drop on that, that play. That was the worst drop. That was so deflating, Akash, because it was like, we really need a throw here. And Lance hadn't really been able to get into a rhythm, and he rips it. It's a perfect read. It's an anticipatory throw. It's right where it needs to be when it needs to be there. And And clang off of his hand. (laughs) So I thought Trey Trey Lance had good moments. I thought his teammates didn't necessarily help him, whether it was, you know, the offensive penalties, whether it was the drops just whatever the case was. And they had a lot of situations it felt like where they were in second and third and long, like third and 10 plus, second and 10 plus, second and 20 plus. And those just aren't situations that are conducive to success. Um, I thought the offense could have used a little bit more Elijah Mitchell, who seemed to have some juice and pop, definitely more than Trey Sermon so far this season. 
But yeah, just back to Trey Lance. I think he's he he will only get better with time. I think he showed exactly what you wanted to see, which is yes, as a passer, he's got all the arm talent in the world. Now they just need to refine it. Whether it's the throwing motion, which I still think is a little loopy and a little slow. He gets a bunch of balls batted at the line of scrimmage. Don't know why, but it seems to consistently happen. And I get he's going against JJ Watt and Chandler Jones, but but still that that seemed to be an issue. And then just throwing accurate balls, right? We saw this in North Dakota State. Just throwing the ball down the field is a little inaccurate. So just things he needs to work on and things I, I think he'll get better with with time. But you can see what he is as a runner, which is weird because he's not as powerful as Cam Newton. I was thinking about this because at the goal line, Cam Newton would have trucked Isaiah Simmons. But Trey Lance <laughs> just, you know, didn't get that half yard. But he's not as elusive as Lamar Jackson because sometimes he'll try to put a move on a, on a guy, but the, he would just get tackled. So he's not he's not really either end. He really reminds me of Colin Kaepernick um, as a runner because Colin was kind of the same thing. He was like the straight line speed guy, but he wasn't really elusive, shifty. But he wasn't also big enough to like truck you either. So that's I think where Trey Lance falls. And it'd be funny because every time he would have a run, they'd pan to his mom on on TV and she'd have her you know face in her hands because she'd be so worried for her son. But I thought it was I thought it was a good first start for Trey Lance. He had his moments. He had some mistakes, just like any uh, rookie quarterback would on the road in their first start. But I think it's just something you can build off of. And I think my overarching takeaway from that game about Trey Lance is you got to play him the rest of the season. I think this season, I get it. I get they're only two and three. I get we're only five weeks in. I get there's still 12 games left, but I would just play Trey Lance. I think in any walk of life, no matter what you do, whether it's podcasting whether you you work in tech whatever you do i don't think you get better from just watching and sitting on the sidelines i think you only get better with real live experience no better way to to learn than if you're on the job thrown into the fire i think that's how you get better and i think a lot of people try to compare situations but i think trey lance in a good situation with a good coaching staff a good team um a good franchise so i just would just play him out the gate you live with the lumps if they don't make the playoffs this season, that's all right. You just need to see Trey Lance improve. That's the future of this franchise. Kyle Shanahan's legacy will be determined in San Francisco based on how Trey Lance develops, how he looks in a year or two. You know, you're not going to look back in two years of Trey Lance making the playoffs at what their record is this season. It's just not going to matter, right? And if Trey Lance flops, then Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are done in San Francisco. So that's got to be the focus. And I get that's not how coaches think, especially coaches like Kyle Shanahan who have a losing career record, but that's how I look at it. I would just play Trey Lance and just, just you know, roll with that the rest of the season. Think about it this way, right? There's 17 games in the regular season. If the 49ers go 7-10 and 10 this year, let's just say, but they go 7-10 and 10 by playing Jimmy Garoppolo until they're eliminated from the playoffs, and Trey Lance gets like two or three more starts or whatever at the end of the year. Where are they as opposed to if they play Trey Lance the rest of the way and go seven and 10? Trey Lance has got all those games of development and people are saying, oh, you know, the 49ers were just a few games under 500 and Trey Lance's rookie year. You know, it, it, you're in such a different place despite having the same record if you play Trey Lance. And, and think about this, Akash, and this is a tweet from Leo Luna who hosts the Oh Hey There podcast on Tuesdays. He said Trey Lance put up 281 yards in his NFL debut passing and rushing. Jimmy Garoppolo has put up 281 total yards or more in two of his last 10 starts. So potentially what that means is the worst we're going to see of Trey Lance against the 5-0 undefeated Arizona Cardinals team 
is essentially better than what we've gotten from Jimmy Garoppolo in the last 10 starts. So to me, there really is no reason to play Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think Kyle Shanahan's going to do it, Akash. Every time he talks, he was on KMBR this week. He, I don't think Kyle likes that his record is as bad as it is, that he's under 500, that Sean McVay is winning games, that LaFleur is winning games in Green Bay. All these guys that run his system are having more success than he is, and in his mind, he's not willing to put up with the lumps because those potentially come with losses. And so he's going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, even though I think, and I think you think, that that doesn't necessarily give the 49ers a better chance to win. I don't know if, I don't know which quarterback gives them the better chance to win because both quarterbacks are so inconsistent, right? On any given Sunday, either quarterback could be better. Like there are stretches where Jimmy Garoppolo looks really good and he has drives where you're like, wow, this is exactly what you want. He's hitting receivers in stride. The offense is in rhythm. Kyle Shanahan looks like the play caller from 2019 where he's hitting you with like a jab, a jab, and then a hook. He's just got the offense flows. And when you watch, you just know it's, it's in rhythm, right? It's like a run, right, run, left. Then they're like fake bootleg. And then they got to pass to George Kittle. That game's like 25 yards. Then they're humming. Then they hit you with another run going the other way. Then they hit you with like a Debo Samuel jet sweep. And the offense just looks sweet on the field. They just haven't been much of that this season. And, so coming back to the quarterback position, um, it's just so inconsistent. So it's hard to predict like which quarterback is going to look better on a given week because Trey Lance come out, he could give you more in, in the ground game. He could just he could carry the offense when needed for stretches, which Jimmy Garoppolo sometimes just can't, given you know he's just a pocket quarterback, right? So that's where I come back to. I don't know who gives you a better chance to win necessarily, but. I just think that the outlook on the season is that you have to develop Trey Lance and whatever it takes to do that, you do that. The tie goes to Trey, right? Tie, if goes, you go, tie goes to Trey. If you don't know, the tie goes to Trey because he's the one that's going to be there. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be there. It's so stupid. Like, it's such an obvious thing to me. I don't understand the the pearl clutching that's going on. What, are some vets in the locker room going to be pissed? tough. Guess what? You're probably not going to be, if you're not like Trent Williams or George Kittle or Nick Bosa or Fred Warner, like you're probably not even going to be on the damn team in two years anyway. Like, I don't care if you're upset. And if you, if the rest of you scrubs can do your damn job, maybe the team wouldn't be two and three in the first place. Like it, it's crazy to me that this is the weird, crazy situation that this team is in where I feel like everybody outside of the bubble can see what needs to be done, but inside the bubble, nobody can't. Right, and I think even with Trey Lance at quarterback, it's not like you're tanking the season. Because right. I think he's still good enough to win games. He's just going to have mistakes. He's going to have throws that he misses. He's going to miss reads, all that kind of stuff. So you're going to have stretches where it looks ugly like it did on Sunday. But you also have drives where he looks good, and hopefully you just build off of that. And I think talking about season scenarios, I would much rather have a scenario where the 49ers don't make the playoffs, but Trey Lance gets better as the season goes on, and you have, okay, good for 2022 versus they make the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo and they get bounced like wildcard weekend because then you're not winning a Super Bowl. You just, I guess you made the playoffs, but now Trey Lance has been on the sidelines for a year. Like what's the outlook next season, right? And now are you going to live with those developmental lumps next season? So I would just rather do that now. And then hopefully Trey Lance just comes into 2022 more comfortable, but that's how I would handle the quarterback situation. Um, moving on to another position in the offense that I think has been mishandled. Brandon Ayuk, the 49ers first round pick from 2020 or one of them. Brandon Ayuk looked fantastic last season. He was arguably their best offensive weapon at the end of the season, especially with George Kittle not playing. 
And we debated if he was the best rookie receiver last season. You know, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, uh, C.D. Lamb. These guys were all kind of in the same tier. Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb have taken off the season. Brandon Ayuk has less targets than Mohamed Sanu. Um, <laughs> it's it's appalling to me what has gone on with the Ayuk situation. Because there was a point where in training camp, it was him and Debo Samuel. Then Ayuk got hurt. And the next thing you know, Trent Sherfield's now playing more. Mohamed Sanu's playing more. Kyle Shanahan doesn't, hasn't really said anything. Ayuk's pouting a little bit on the field. He's still returning kicks. He makes these amazing catches at the end of games, but he's nowhere to be found at the start of games. It's just been so confusing. They're not targeting him. They're not just force-feeding force feeding him the ball like you would with an elite receiver. And it's just been weird to watch. How? What have you thought of Shanahan's management of Ayuk, and what do you think should happen? I think it's been pathetic. I think that whether whether Ayuk is not practicing hard and there's an issue there or whether Kyle is just mad at him, whatever the actual reality of the situation is, nobody has handled it correctly. If it's just an issue with Kyle Shanahan, then guess what? John Lynch or Jed York or somebody gets those two guys in a room, locks the door, and nobody comes out until this thing is squashed. If it's an issue with practicing, it shouldn't it shouldn't take this long to get it figured out. Hell, you could dial up Jerry Rice and have Jerry Rice come to the damn team facility. You know Jerry wants to participate in practice, which, by the way, happy 59th birthday, Jerry Rice. You know he wants to be part of it. Get Jerry there to teach IU how to practice. Like, the fact that this is still an issue, whatever the issue is, five weeks into the season is a failing on everybody involved. And the fact that, as something that Kyle Posey pointed out, like, not only is IU like, not producing there are times in third down critical plays where he's not even on the field that is inexcusable like you're not even giving him a chance to make a play that is horrible and and i don't know why kyle shannon has not been pressed on this like oh travis benjamin has to play last week because we needed his speed what is brandon Ayuk, anquan bolden out there like he's he can run like it, he needs to be crushed on this and he needs to be pinned down to get an actual real explanation instead of having John Lynch go on KMBR yesterday and say, well, he needs to take the next step. Like, what does that mean? What is that step? What does he need to do to break this icy situation? Cause no one ever says what he actually has to do. It's always take the next step. He'll get there. He's still developing. Like no one says what it is in a concrete way. And I want to know what the hell it is because it's a weapon that the 49ers could, could get a hell of a lot more out of than they are. Right, and I just think something funky is going on with Kyle Shanahan and his management of his second-year receivers. We saw this with Dante Pettis in 2018 and 2019. 2018 is rookie season. He really came on at the end of the year. I'll bet it was with Nick Mullins and some meaningless games, but he came into 2019. He himself admitted to not taking it very seriously or not practicing as hard as he could have, um, and he was in the doghouse for 2019. The 49ers went out and traded for Emmanuel Sanders because Pettis didn't ever live up to that. Eventually got cut, traded, whatever. Debo Samuel last season, 2019, again, was fantastic as a rookie, right, in that Super Bowl season. 2020, he got hurt. I get it, but the 49ers were upset with how he handled his body during the offseason. They thought he didn't take it as seriously, and he was just kind of in and out of shape. He looks fantastic this year, so clearly that worked. Now Brandon Ayuk. First season looks fantastic, looks the part as a wide receiver one. Comparisons made to Devontae Adams as a route runner. 
And now again, he's dealing with playing time issues in his second season. So what is going on between the rookie, you know, uh, the summer after the rookie season to the second season where these guys all come in just unprepared, not taking care of their body, whatever the case is, because continually, like you said, the line that we hear is that he's developing. He's not ready yet. He's coming along. John Lynch went on KNBR, said he needs to take the next step. Dante Whitner said that Kyle Shanahan's trying to teach him a lesson about preparation. There's clearly something going on behind the scenes that they're not talking about. Whether it's Brandon Ayuk isn't taking it as seriously, isn't practicing as, as hard as he can, maybe he's a little lackadaisical during meetings, whatever the case is, right? There's, there has to be something going on. It's not just purely, you know, okay, we're not going to play him because we don't want to play him. There's just some reason, and they've got to get it figured out because Debo Samuel's been fantastic, but they need Brandon Ayuk. You can't be playing Travis Benjamin and Mohamed Sanu and Trent Shurfield out here. You need both these guys. You drafted him in the first round in the top 25. You traded up to go get Brandon Ayuk. Play him. Like, I get teaching a lesson. I get, like, bringing him along, whatever. But you just you need your best playmakers out there. And seemingly every season, they've had one of their top two playmakers go through this, like, teachable moment. Like, we're not going to play you, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's costing them right now, right? They'd be much better having Brandon Ayuk out there for the majority of the offensive snaps, whether it be from a blocking standpoint or, or a passing standpoint. But it's just weird because they force-feed Debo the ball, whether it's a jet sweep, a screen, you know, um, whatever the case is. But they don't do that with Brandon Ayuk, and it's surprising because they're so good after the catch. And so hopefully he just gets more involved coming out of the bye. And again, I hope Kyle Shanahan gets pressed about this. Just weird management of his uh, roster moving along uh, now that they are headed into the bye week five weeks into the season we thought we you know just take a little um, you know just review kind of how the season has gone so far uh, through the first five games so what do you think has been the most impressive part about this team so far and what do you think has been the least impressive part about this team so far well, I hate to start negative, but this is the first thing that jumped into my head. The least impressive part of the team to me has been the offensive line. And this is something that Brian Baldinger brought up uh, when he was on 95-7 the game this week. This is These are the starters on the offensive line. These are the five guys the 49ers have said. These are our best offensive linemen. They're all veteran guys. Now, I know Alex Mack hasn't been there in years past, but he's been in Kyle Shanahan's system before multiple times. So like the learning, there should be no learning curve here. If there was one unit on the 49ers that was going to provide continuity and consistency, you would think it was the offensive line, but they have been anything, but they can't run the ball at all. Akash, they're averaging, I think their worst yards per carry since Kyle Shanahan arrived. That is crazy. That, that can't all be just because Raheem Mostert is not playing. And I don't know what it is, but, I mean, seemingly even Mike McGlinchey has forgotten how to run block, and that was the only good thing he did. So I don't know what's happening, but to me, the least impressive part of this team this year has been the offensive line. I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well through the first four weeks. I thought their struggles this past week were... <laughs> so you completely full. disagree with uh, Kind of, kind of. I, I, They've had stretches, and they've had plays where they've looked bad. That happens, but... I think last week, the big thing is, A, you're going up against Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, two potential Hall of Famers. They're going to make you look bad, okay, on certain plays. The other thing is now you're blocking for a mobile quarterback. And Trey Lance isn't like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Stands kind of in the pocket in the same spot. So it's easy to know kind of where your quarterback is if you're an offensive lineman. 
and you can, you know, uh, do your job kind of easily. With Trey Lance, he tends to like pivot and change directions. So say you're blocking for him, then you're like, you're pushing your defender one way. And the next thing you know, Trey Lance is running the other way. So now you're like holding on to your guy. I've seen this happen a lot with Seattle's offensive line, which is bad, but because Russell Wilson does so much dancing around in the back of the pocket that your offensive line struggles to block for that. And it takes time to kind of develop like this sense of where your quarterback's moving or get a feel for him in the pocket. Right. And I think that just hasn't happened because Trey Lance hasn't gotten the reps with those guys. So now they're kind of learning how he moves. And so the offensive line, I think struggled as a result of that um, on, on Sunday and obviously playing a good defensive line as well. So I think those, those two things are um, contributing factors. I would say the least impressive part about this team so far is their head coach um, through five weeks, because at the end of the day, I think this goes back to their plans coming into the season where I think they tried to accomplish too much. I think they tried to win as much as possible this season and develop a rookie quarterback. And that works for some teams, right? It worked for the chiefs a couple of years ago. Um, it worked for the 49ers back in like 2011, 2012. Um, but there was one constant on both those teams. It was Alex Smith, who was on the field, who was a pro's pro, who was just a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo, I think. And so you combine all those factors, those teams were able to maintain success while developing rookie quarterbacks. Whereas this team, it's it's just tough, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is just so inconsistent that you're constantly going to be debating back and forth between Trey Lance and Jimmy. He also gets hurt. So now Trey Lance ends up playing. And so I just think the coaching staff, primarily Kyle Shanahan, coming into the season came in with a funky plan. And then they tried the whole two-quarterback thing. And then he's been kind of mismanaging some of these like roster situations. His play calling, which I hate nitpicking because it's such an execution-based thing and it's such a subjective thing, but it's just felt kind of off this season. Fourth down decision-making, just game management in general has just felt off. If it's felt like his team has come out flat a couple of times, like in that Packers game and then in, in the Seattle game after that opening drive. So I don't know, man. I think that's been the least impressive part, which is disappointing because he's the team's best asset, but he just hasn't lived up to caution hand standards. That is fair. The management by him at times this year has been wonky. I really think the play calling is not as bad as it looks. I think, honestly, we I have a tendency. I want to put it on me. I have a tendency to be like, oh, that play didn't work. What a terrible play call. It's like, no, sometimes the people don't execute what they need to on each individual play that makes the play call look bad. You know, we always assume that everybody does everything they're supposed to. And then the play, you know, either succeeds or fails based on its own merit. That's not necessarily true, especially when you got guys like Daniel Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey on your offensive line. So I, I am trying to now go back and look more objectively at the play calling. And I think especially this past week, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I, it's not like Kyle suddenly forgot how to call plays. Agreed. I, I'm guilty of this too. And you're a prisoner of the moment. You're in the moment. It's like a fourth and one. They run like a stupid play, right? Say, they run a play. It doesn't work. And your first inclination is to be like, Kyle, why'd you call that play? Yes. Because right? your expectation with Kyle Shanahan as an offensive genius is that he's going to call a play that ends up working. And you get the first down on that play. But when it doesn't work, immediately you go to blame Kyle Shanahan. Really, when you go back and watch it, it's a result of like an offensive lineman missing a block or uh, the running back taking the wrong hole or something, or Trey Lance keeping when he should have like handed it off or something like that, right? Where it's execution-based usually. And you're like, ah, if this one thing had worked, this play would have gone for like 20 yards. So you see why Kyle Shanahan called that play. But in that moment, your first instinct is to be like, Kyle, you're an idiot. Why'd you call that play? Like, 
I think it was the Kyle Juszczyk direct snap uh, for fourth and one where he's trying to sneak yeah. it in. That's worked, right? They, they consistently ran that play a couple times now, and it's worked. I don't know why he went back to it again, but... Well, so there's a theory. JT O'Sullivan mentioned it, and I've seen people mention this on Twitter. If you watch the play again, it looks like that Juice is supposed to pitch it back to Trey Lance. Because if you watch it from the All-22, like the aerial version, Trent Williams kind of kicks out, and Lance takes a step to his left, and I think Elijah Mitchell is back there. So it potentially could have been Juice pitching it back to Trey Lance, who then could run, who then maybe options to Elijah Mitchell. But when you watch it again, it made me think, and that would fit in more with Kyle Shanahan, right? Who's known for making one play look like another play that you've already seen, except changing it up somehow. And Kyle did say after the game that there were a couple of things wrong with that play. He didn't elaborate on what they were, but if that was the case, that would have been freaking amazing to have juice pitch back to, to Lance. So those are the type of things that we don't know in that moment. And as a result, we crushed the play caller when it could very well be execution-based. So I would say regardless of his play calling, he's been probably the weakest part of this team so far. Uh, the strongest part of the team so far, I would say, um, outside of Debo Samuel, who's been uh, really, really impressive, um, I would say is probably their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. Um, I, there were early callings for his firing or early calls for his firing. <laughs> I should say after the first couple weeks, cause they were just getting crushed in that Detroit game in the second half or in the really in the fourth quarter. And a lot of people were like, Oh my God, D'Amico Ryan's in over his head. Can't coach. And then Aaron Rodgers went ballistic on them in that second half or really in that fourth quarter. And a lot of people thought Ryan should lose his job, but he's been phenomenal. What he did to Kyler Murray on Sunday should not be uh, forgotten. Held him to one rushing yard, I think. Um, their total offense, they were outgained by San Francisco. Um, they had Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in hell for most of that game. Um, if the 49ers offense could have put up any points there, they might have well, come away with that uh, game winning it but just not enough offense. But I would say D'Amico Ryan's been fantastic. Uh, some of the DVOA success rate, EPA per play metrics don't show it, but they've been phenomenal. Um, and their pass rush, you know, hasn't been as great as I thought they would be. But despite that, I think they've just been sound. Their secondary has been shaky, like in terms of roster. But with all those moving parts, Ryan's has found a way to put this defense to be in a really good position a couple weeks in a row now. Right in that first half against Seattle, they were elite. Then this game, the entire game against Kyler Murray, they were fantastic. And so I think he deserves all the credit in the world for that. I give you 100% props. I sh that should have been the first thing that popped into my head. He's been fantastic. And, you know, he had a learning curve too, right? It was his first week as a defensive coordinator in week one. And I think that he has gotten exponentially better. One thing I really like is that he has tightened it up at the end of games and at the end of halves, I feel like he was allowing offenses to kind of go down the field. I feel like he's straightened that out. The The plan against Kyler Murray, this was the best game plan and the best execution against the mobile quarterback that we have ever seen in the Kyle Shanahan era. Robert Sala was getting sliced and diced by mobile guys, and they absolutely shut Atlanta down in that regard. So I give him a ton of props. I want to give a little love to Nick Bosa. I actually saw a graph that was going on on Twitter on one side, on the x-axis of the graph was double team rate. And on the y-axis of the graph was pass rush win rate. 
And all the way in the upper right-hand side of the graph, all by himself, is Nick Bosa, which means he's getting double teams more than almost any other pass rusher, and he's winning despite the double team more than any other pass rusher. And oh, by the way, he's coming off reconstructive knee surgery in the offseason. The dude is an absolute freak. And it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit because the 49ers haven't been winning. But this is like Adrian Peterson coming off the ACL and almost setting the rushing record good. That's how good Nick Bosa has been this year. That's a fantastic answer. He's been phenomenal this season. Um, Nick Bosa, just if you if you were just dropped onto the planet and you watched the 49ers this season, you didn't know anything about their history. You were like 97. Never came off of uh, a knee surgery. Never, you know had any medical procedure done this offseason because he looks fantastic. Um, their defensive line as a whole has been pretty good. Uh, I thought, you know, there's been issues with like Samson Ebukam hasn't been playing particularly well. D Ford's been kind of in and out. Um, the other guys along the interior, Zach Kerr, et cetera, haven't been as great as we build them to be in the offseason. But Bosa has lived up to the hype and more. He's been phenomenal. So that that is also another impressive part of the team. Uh, moving along, season predictions. What do you think now after five weeks? Where do you think they finish? How do you think the rest of the season goes? Give me a record prediction the rest of the way. Do they make the playoffs? Well, can I pick the quarterback? Because I honestly feel like they'll be better off if Trey Lance is the quarterback for this team the rest of the way, which I don't think he's going to be. Um, when I look at the rest of the schedule, there's still some games they should win regardless of quarterback. They should beat the Jaguars regardless of quarterback. They should beat the Bengals. They should beat the Falcons. Honestly, they should beat the Titans. And I should think they should beat the Texans too. So there's like four or five wins right there that I think they should have. The problem is right now, I can't give them the benefit of the doubt in any of the toss-up games. Vikings, Seahawks, Rams. Like I just, they haven't earned it this year. And so I don't know that they make the playoffs, honestly. I, I would have to say right now, I don't think that they do. Um, they are two and three right now. So that's five, which means there's 12 games left five and seven, maybe the rest of the way that's 12, right? Five and seven, that's 12. That would put them at what? Seven and 10. Yes. Okay. So you thinking they go seven and 10 miss the playoffs. I'm just pulling up their schedule here. I mean, coming into the season, they had a fourth place schedule. So a lot of us are like, Oh, Okay. Um, there's a chance to really make a run here, especially with the way the roster was constructed, but they haven't gotten off of that start. But this was really the tough part of their schedule. They come out of the bye. They've got Indianapolis, then they're at Chicago, then they've got Arizona. And across those three weeks, there's, I think that's the chance for them to make a push here. Colts are at one and four. They have not looked good. They get them off the bye at home, Sunday night football. Um, not sure if Trey Lance is going to play. Obviously, he's got the sprained knee. Um, we'll find out more hopefully next sure week he if does. he plays or not. The quote-unquote sprained knee. Are you buying that? Uh, they said they didn't know when he got hurt, but the way he played, I could see if he was hurt later on in the game. But I, it's just a weird situation in its entirety with how they're handling these quarterback injuries, so I'm not going to speculate too much. But regardless of who plays, I think they should be able to beat the Colts. That road game at Chicago becomes pivotal because Chicago's looked better as Justin Fields has played. So, but I still think they're the better team, so they should win. So all of a sudden you could grab a couple wins here and the 49ers could be like four and three heading into the Arizona game at home Sunday afternoon. So the, the next three weeks, I think will really determine how their season goes. If you look up and they're like three and five, 
then their season's probably cooked and they're probably not making the playoffs, but say they're like, what, four and four, you know, after, after nine weeks, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, there's a chance here. Right. So it really depends on how they do these next three weeks, I think. Um, and yeah, I think the, some of the games that you mentioned, I think they can really win down the stretch, right? Falcons, Texans, um, Jaguars, and then they go uh, to Cincinnati. I think those are games that you could you could probably confidently see them winning, just given how the defense is played. And if they can just get you know average quarterback play, they should be able to beat those teams. And then it comes back just to the divisional games, I think. And so I think there's a chance. I think there's an outside outside chance that they make the playoffs. I think they finish the season nine and eight, ten and seven, maybe. I think they get over 500. I think they'll they'll be over 500 at the end of the year. I'm not sure if it's going to be good enough. We'll see. Depends on what happens with Russell Wilson's injury in Seattle. Does that knock them out? Because they're two and three, and he's out for the next month or so, six weeks. So I think Arizona and LA probably make the playoffs from the West. Then from the NFC South, can Carolina stay on the pace? No, they can't. They stink. Sam Darnold stinks, man. He's the same crappy quarterback that he's always been. It wasn't Adam Gase's fault. Like, I'm tired of, of people saying that Sam Darnold looks good. He doesn't. He's a turnover machine, Akash. <laughs> then from the NFC South, do the Saints make the playoffs as the second team? Because the Buc- Buccaneers probably win that division. Then you look at the NFC North. Packers probably win the division, but can Minnesota or Chicago threaten that? I'm not sure. So there's a chance the 49ers can sneak in again as that third wildcard spot. I think they'll be alive kind of as the season goes. And... So maybe that pushes Kyle Shanahan's hand playing Jimmy Garoppolo more than Trey Lance, which I still think is a mistake, but it may ultimately be what happens. So I still think there's a chance for them to make the playoffs. I think it's still pretty early in the season. Um, and I think they end up like that nine and eight, 10 and seven range. Are they as good as we thought they were going to be before the season? Nope. Are they as bad as they are? You know, are they as bad as we are making them out to seem? No. Um, but it's just, I think, based on the expectations that we have for this coaching staff and this roster, they just haven't lived up to that quite yet. And hopefully they find some more consistency after the bye. Um, that is all I have. Rob, do you have any more thoughts? Always, but that's all for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, continue listening to the Shannon Plan podcast that drops every Wednesday. Continue subscribing to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We have a wonderful network of podcasts that drop on the daily for your 49ers content. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and review to wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. That would be much appreciated. I am Akash. You can find me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Rob, a.k.a. Stats, where can they find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Stats on Fire, and I always say I'm here for the arguments. At Stats on Fire, hit them up with your arguments. And no 49ers game this weekend, which is probably good for the mentals. I need the week off from watching them lose. We'll watch the San Francisco Giants instead, hopefully beat Los Angeles on Thursday. Uh, and advance to the championship series. So I'm more excited about that this week. So thank God that the 49ers are on by. We will be back next week and go Niners. <laughs>